we have that song playing in Sophie's room um, when she was really tiny. Had that song play while she's sleeping. Beautiful things. And, and now we don't have us play, play quite as much because we found out she's a sinner. And so she needs, a, she needs a new heart before we can play it anymore. Now that song is about getting a new heart, about resurrection, which is what we're on tonight. Does everybody get notes out there? Everybody get notes? Need some right down here if we could. Anybody else need some notes? Right back here. The bass guitarist needs some notes. Okay, we're going to 1 Corinthians 15. And yes, we're still talking about the end times, but our topic is the resurrections. And to understand the resurrections, we have to look first at the resurrected one. So, 1 Corinthians 15. And let's go back a little bit to verse 16. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 16. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. That's quite a saying right there. You look at every major religion in the world that is not founded on Jesus Christ, so all the other ones, except for biblical Christianity. You know, they only have hope during this life. And most of them don't have that much hope during this life. And, uh, and yet, it says here in this verse, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we have all men most miserable. Which indicates that there's something more for us. So verse 20 goes in on, and, and um, this is in Hallelujah's Messiah. I love the music behind this. Look at this. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, That's through Adam. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And uh, there's sometimes a dispute over the end of that verse. And there's this uh, doctrine that's been invented called universalism. that says everyone will eventually end up with God in heaven. Some will have to go through a purifying process before. And the Catholics call that purgatory. And some other groups say... You have to have certain rituals to get people out of hell or out of some type of uh, punishment. That verse is not saying that all men have accepted salvation. It just says that in Christ shall all be made alive. Anybody who's made alive, they can only be made alive in Christ. And uh, Jesus did offer to save everyone because God so loved the world. Verse 23 Now look at this. This is a unique phrase. It's going to be important to our study tonight. But every man in his own order. So there's an order that takes place for the resurrections. But every man in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits, and afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. 
at it. So we're going to look at the resurrection tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. And we know that that hope is in the fact of your resurrection. And because of your resurrection, we can look forward to our own resurrection. And so we pray that you bless your study tonight. Help us to have a clear understanding of the topic at hand. And we ask it in your name. Amen. Okay, so we say in your notes, the doctrine of resurrection is foundational to the Christian faith. And even the Jews, the Israelites, the, uh, the people who still look only at the Old Testament, believe in resurrection. Because resurrection was a topic all through the Old Testament. Now there was a group of Jews who did not believe in the resurrection. And they were always on the outs. Uh, it caused some big arguments in the synagogue because the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. But the Jews believe in the resurrection. All Christians obviously believe in the resurrection. In fact, we meet this day of the week because of the resurrection. Um, Jesus arose on Sunday and every Sunday is a celebration for us. Um, that dur during the time when Jesus had risen from the dead and was going to ascend, he began to meet with his disciples every day, but specifically on the first day of the week. And it, 1 Corinthians indicates in 1 Corinthians 16 that that's when they began to take offerings. They began to meet together for their main congregational church service of the week was on Sunday. And uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of people uh, who have questions about that who meet on Saturdays. And uh, say that we still should observe the Sabbath on Saturday. Jesus said an interesting thing um, about the Sabbath several times. He said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. We should take Sabbath with our bodies. We should rest our bodies. But that particular day of the week wasn't the priority. The priority was to worship God. The priority was to remember what God had done. And so from the Old Testament all the way through to the end of the Bible, resurrection's a big deal. And we say in your notes, after all, without a risen Savior, there's no hope for any of us. The verse that we just read, the verse says that we just read, give us this first thought in our notes. Jesus Christ is the first fruits of all those who are resurrected. And we read that in... There in verse number 20. First fruits is a concept that had been around for thousands of years. And it was when they took the first group of sheaves or the first group of fruit or the first group of beans or the first group of whatever crop it was. And they brought that before God um, as a gift or as an offering to God, blessing it in hopes that there would be more after it. And so the first fruits is something that the Jews specifically understood and that Jesus became for us. He became the first fruits of them who slept by becoming the first one to rise from the dead under the strength of his own authority. So the risen Christ begins the order that we just mentioned in verse 23 of the resurrections to follow. So Jesus is first. He's first in everything. And everything's under his authority. So he's the first fruits, even of the resurrection. Now let's go back to Matthew 27. 
Matthew chapter 27. And this is right at the time of the crucifixion and, of course, the resurrection of Christ. Matthew 27. Look at this, verse number 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. And came out of the graves after his resurrection. And went into the holy city and appeared unto many. So the order was Christ first. And then we have this group immediately following the resurrection. And we talk about it in your notes. Immediately following the resurrection of Jesus, saints that were asleep in the grave arose and walked into Jerusalem, appearing to many people. And so these were Old Testament saints who had their bodies rise from the tomb through the power of Christ's resurrection. Christ's resurrection was so powerful that it caused other bodies to rise from the tomb. Let's go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. This explains the resurrections to come. And when you see this passage, if you have a, a reference Bible or a study Bible, you probably have right above verse 28 a topic or a thought of what this section is going to be. And in many study Bibles, it will say the two resurrections. Did anybody have that in your Bible? It says the two resurrections. Only two people? Three people? Five people? What does yours say? Does it say resurrections? Just resurrections? The two resurrections. All right. Anything else? Did you have? Above verse 28, you guys all in John 5, in the New Testament? I heard a story about one of the life groups today. We covered, um, what did we cover, Mammon this morning? Where's Marilyn? And um, the, it said, um, our topic was Mammon, and it, the number was one, because it's our first week. And she said, what is this, a new book? Is this like Nephi or... Um, I heard about it. I hear stuff. Okay, John 5. John 5. It's the first time I've ever talked about Marilyn from the pulpit. And I can tell she does not like it. And I probably should never do that again. John 5. Look at this, 28. Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming in the which... Now look at this. All that are in the grave shall hear His voice. So every soul that has ever been conceived will hear His voice for resurrection. Okay, verse 29 explains it. And shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Okay, now don't let that verse confuse you. It's not talking about a works-based salvation it's just the way that Jesus described um, those who are covered by righteousness of God and those who are not covered by righteousness of God. 
And so there's basically, it's going to tell you generally, two resurrections. In your notes, Jesus himself spoke of two general resurrections to come. The resurrection of life and the resurrection of damnation. Okay, so first tonight we're going to look at the resurrection of life. The resurrection of life has three phases that are indicated in Scripture. And we're going to look first at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We've already studied this event, but this is the first phase of the resurrection of life, or the first resurrection. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Okay, the whole topic here that Paul is addressing with the Thessalonica church is they had people within their own church body who had died after salvation and after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So after the church was formed, they had some people pass away, and they were very concerned that their loved ones would not be resurrected at the time of rapture. And, and so that's the topic Paul was addressing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 14. Actually, go back up to verse 13, kind of in the context of what we're saying here. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, or dead, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, first truths, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. This is the order of things. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And look at this. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. So this is at the same event or the same time as the rapture. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, I know that all of us, I don't think there's any of us who would say, you know what, I'd rather be part of them that sleep. Right? Hopefully there's nobody in here who would say that. I'd rather be the dead in Christ. Most of us would say, you know what, if Jesus came back, I think it'd be really neat to be in the rapture. And to kind of understand what that presence is as we go from earthly beings to heavenly beings and we're aware the whole time. And yet, those who are asleep in Christ, I believe, will have the exact same experience. But theirs will be even more unique. The fact that they're going to be coming from graves, they're going to be coming from, think about um, people who have been lost at sea, people who have been lost in places on planet Earth, uh, people whose relatives have cremated their bodies. And uh, we're getting deep into our thinking here, right? And uh, I've had people come in before and into my office weeping. What's wrong? What happened? And I sit down and I give them the Kleenex box. And they say, Pastor, if I'm cremated, will I be in the rapture? I've had people say that to me before. Now, this says, you're, you're in. 
if you're in Christ, you're also in this resurrection. Now, I don't recommend that Christians go that route, if at all possible. And if you'd like to talk to me about it sometime, I'd love to share that with you. But here in this passage, it indicates to us, and we say this in your notes, phase one, the church age saints, at the time of the rapture, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Right, so this is not talking about the Old Testament saints. The Old Testament saints looked forward to Jesus Christ, but they were not in Christ. Okay, they had not become the part of the mystery of the church. Um, and you can look at the context and understand that those who sleep in Jesus, verse 14, will God bring with him. So this was not talking about Old Testament saints. It was talking about people who had accepted the truth of Christ after the resurrection of Christ. Okay, so hopefully you get that. Now phase two. Let's go back to a couple places. Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26. Let's talk about the Old Testament saints. What's going to happen with them? Isaiah 26. Okay, Isaiah 26, verse number 19. Thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Okay, so this is the Old Testament saints' resurrection. Now, Here's an interesting thought for you. People say, well, goodness, how is God going to know which particles of dust to put together to make that person again? You know, Genesis 2-7 is a great verse, isn't it? The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, and man became a living soul. And, and so I believe that God who could make bodies out of dust in the first place, knows which particles of dust to use. And, uh, I, I don't believe that there's any dust that's ever uh, been totally destroyed. Most of it just went to California. Um, I mean, it's just the dust of planet Earth is still here, just like all the water particles are still here. And it, so God's going to bring it all together for this resurrection. And here in this prophecy, it says, Together with my dead body shall they arise. So even the prophet knew that this would be true. Look at Daniel chapter 12. You got Ezekiel and then Daniel. Daniel chapter 12. Okay, so one thing I want you to remember as we're going through this, uh, we talked in the rapture week about Daniel's 70th week. How that's the tribulation period. And the biblical context shows us that God deals with Israel. And then there's this little mystery that gets thrown in called the local church. The church age. And after God has finished dealing with that mystery of the church age, then he takes up his relationship and his treatment of Israel once again. And so after the, the church saints have been taken up in the resurrection, now God will be able to deal with the Old Testament saints and Israel again. Daniel 
chapter 12, verse number 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, that's the archangel, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, this is Israel. And there shall be a time of trouble, tribulation, such as never was since there was a nation, even in that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. So the saved saints of the Jews. Verse 2, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So, the Old Testament saints will awake as part of the general resurrection of life. The Old Testament ones who are not saved, who are not covered by the blood, who are not those who look forward to the cross, will be part of the, the next resurrection that we'll talk about. Uh, there's a couple other verses I'll give you you could compare here. Psalm chapter 50, verses 1 through 6. If you'll compare that with Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 through 9, here's what you'll find. I kind of described it, summarize it in your notes. As the tribulation ends, and before the reign of Christ begins on the earth, believers who died before the resurrection of Jesus will be raised to life, joining the marriage supper as friends of the bridegroom and participate in the millennium. Okay, so let's talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb, the groom is Jesus Christ. The bride is, who's the bride? Church, right? Um, the local church. And right now, this is the bride of Christ. Right here, in this room. This is the bride of Christ. Now, down the road, 12 miles away, there, maybe there's the bride of Christ. And uh, over across two states, tonight meeting is the bride of Christ. And everyone with authority can say, we are the bride of Christ. And the New Testament in, in the church, it's the ecclesia. It is the local assembly. But when we are called in the rapture, in the book of Revelation, it says we become the church of the firstborn. That's the first time ever in the Bible that all of the ecclesias are in one assembly. Now, why will that be? Because they'll all be with Christ. Everybody will be in the same meeting house. And we will at that point be the spotless bride of the Lamb. And when the church is married to the Lamb, those who will be in the audience who will be standing by, drinking the punch, signing the guest book, you know, they're sitting on the side of the groom, all of them, not on the bride, they're not for us, for him, will be the Old Testament saints. Including, you know who one of the most famous ones will be? John the Baptist. John the Baptist was an Old Testament saint. He was beheaded before the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And Jesus even said, he's a friend of the groom. That's who John the Baptist is. And we're going to see him. He'd be out in the audience. We'll wave at him right there. So that's the marriage supper of the Lamb. And Revelation 19 brings that whole thought together about that event. So this is going to take place as the tribulation ends. There's a lot of simultaneous action that's going to start taking place right there. The battle of Armageddon and the resurrection of the Old Testament saints. 
uh, kind of take place at the same time the marriage supper of the Lamb is going on in heaven. Phase 3, the tribulation saints. Revelation 6. If you have a question, write it down. We're going to take questions at the end tonight for a couple minutes. Revelation 6. If your brain already exploded, I'm sorry. Revelation 6. Okay, this is an indicator of what will take place with the tribulation saints all the way back in the first months of the tribulation. Revelation 6, verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest, yet for a little season, until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So this is a prophecy that during the tribulation, all those who are martyred for their faith will be resurrected. But they'll be resurrected together as a group. Now, there will be some tribulation saints who never die during the tribulation. And they will be there to meet Jesus Christ as He steps foot on the Mount of Olives. They'll be there to meet Him, the tribulation saints. Look at chapter 20. Sounds really surreal. It sounds so disorienting to even think these things, but... You know what? It's going to happen. Um, it, if we could ever take the whole bunch to Israel and have a service on the Mount of Olives, it'd get a little more real for you. Jesus is going to stand on that mountain again like he did before with his disciples, and the mountain's going to split in two. It really will happen. Revelation 20, verse number 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So this uh, talks about, once again, the first resurrection. Anyone who's in the first resurrection is assured eternal life. The second death has no power over them. Okay? And all of the first resurrection takes place before the millennial reign. The first group at the rapture, before the tribulation. The second group, the Old Testament saints, at the end of the tribulation, before the millennium. And the tribulation saints, right after that, kind of back to back. So phase three, let's talk about it. Tribulation saints. Prophecy indicates that tribulation saints will be resurrected at the time of the glorious appearing of Christ. Apparently, during the binding of Satan for a thousand years. Right? Let's go back to... You know what? We, we missed verse 4. Let's read verse 4. The binding of Satan has taken place. Verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. Now here it is. This is the part we missed. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus... And for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So those are the tribulation saints. 
That's the key verse for that resurrection. Okay, so those are the three parts now of the resurrection of life. The second resurrection is the resurrection of damnation. And there's only one. Okay, there aren't any different phases. It'll all happen at one time. At the end of the millennial reign, it's all going to happen. And let's go to Revelation 20. Look where we just read in verse 5. But the rest of the dead, so this is talking about all of the unsaved dead. The rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. So this is the first resurrection. So it's talking about the tribulation saints. They were still part of the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. That's everybody who's in the first resurrection. Okay, no matter which group they were from. If they were church-age saints, if they were Old Testament saints, or if they were tribulation saints, they'll all be part of the millennial reign. And it says that we will get to reign with Christ for a thousand years. And I've heard people speculate on what they're going to do. Um, the pastor I grew up under said that he's going to be a fishing and hunting guide during the millennium for a thousand years. I've heard people say that they were going to be the mayor of a certain city in the United States during the millennial reign. Um, all I know is we get to rule and reign with Christ, and that's pretty cool, no matter what we get to do. So it'll be a neat time. We'll have a, an entire sermon on the millennial reign. Let's go down to the big, uh, bottom of the chapter. Verse number 11, Revelation 20. End of the millennial reign happens. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And remember, you will not be at this resurrection or this judgment if you are a child of God. And I saw the dead, small and great, be stand, stand before God. The books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. So when it says death and hell, can I tell you that the souls of those who died without Christ are already in torment. They're already in hell. They're going to be brought back up for the judgment. And, uh, but if you read in Luke, the rich man, where does it say he was? In hell. He lifted up his eyes being in torment. He was already there. And, uh, so it's, it's not, the grave is not just a holding place for those. Um, the moment you die with Christ, your body goes in the grave, but your soul's with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But if you're not saved the moment that you die, that moment in time, your soul is exiled from God. And everything about God that keeps this universe ticking is no longer an option for you. You have no light. You have no presence of mind. You have nothing good that ever comes about in your life because you've lost Him who holds all things together. So, so verse 13 explains more about this resurrection. They were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell 
were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So the only way to get your name out of the book of life is to die having rejected Jesus Christ. Here's what I believe the Bible indicates. And I may be totally wrong on this theory, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you up front, this is my theory. Uh, After studying the book of Revelation and studying these books, I believe there are two books that are mentioned that are specific about being life. One is the book of life. The moment you were conceived as a human being, your name went in the book of life. Okay? That very moment. And God may have put you in by a name that's not your name. He may have had a different name for you. We don't know. But you're in the book of life. The moment you're conceived. The moment you are born again, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Okay? So it shows you're covered by the blood. So if you're born again, do you know your name's in two books? The book of life and the Lamb's book of life. Okay, now let's go to the other side if you're not born again. You're physically conceived on the earth. Your name's in the book of life. But your whole life, you come to a knowledge that there's right, there's wrong, there's heaven, there's hell, and you reject Jesus Christ. Your name will never go in the Lamb's book of life if you're not born again. And the moment you die having rejected Christ, your name comes out of the book of life. Everybody kind of get what I'm saying there? All right, so two books. And uh, this passage really confirms that and talks about it. And we say it in your notes this way. The resurrection of damnation is a singular event that will take place at the end of the 1,000-year reign of Christ on earth. The unsaved dead from all dispensations will be raised to attend the great white throne judgment. So this is not a good resurrection. The resurrection of the dead means that you're resurrected to the judgment. It's not a resurrection to party or to have fun or to enjoy the millennium. It is a resurrection to attend the great white throne judgment. All right, I've got about two minutes. Any questions about study tonight? Something you didn't understand? Something I did not explain? Any questions at all? Everybody got it? You guys are amazing. Way to go.